Well, let's just say it's the news. According to me. Good morning. It is Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. 7.58 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as far as I know. Uh, Wait a minute here. Yeah, 7.50. I've got to double check here because of this whole stupid daylight savings time thing. Yeah, Indiana went for years without having that. Arizona still does. I thought maybe maybe Arizona changed now too. Now all of a sudden we have to change our clocks all the time, which is just, you know, a hassle. But it, I have to say it's it's nice to be on the same time as the state above us all year long. Uh, in the summertime, what, what used to happen was we'd, if we were trying to get up to uh, to Michigan to go to a campground, which is actually straight north and, in fact, a little bit west of us. They were an hour ahead of us. So if we left here at, you know, in the evening, on a Friday evening, get get off work, get everything ready to go, head out in the camper, try to drive two or three hours. You know, it's only 9 o'clock our time, 10 o'clock our time, whatever. <clears throat> well, by the time we get up there, it's 11 o'clock their time. They were an hour ahead of us. We were on the same time as Chicago. In the summertime. And then, of course, in the wintertime, and it was, you know, we were in the same time, we were uh, an hour uh, ahead of Chicago. And on, and on the same time as, as Michigan. But it was it was a pain because it was just, um, it was just weird. <clears throat> now, it's, it's, in some ways, it's kind of nice to have Chicago. I work, I do a lot of work in Chicago. And so it's, it's kind of nice to have the, uh, the time in Chicago be what it is. It's, it's, um, it's easier for me to get up early. Now, the only problem with it is if I work late nights, I don't like, I don't like, I don't care to work late nights. Ironically, I don't like the early morning shows, the early morning schedule, because I actually start at 4 a.m. However, uh, th- that means I have an, it's actually 5 a.m. my body clock time. So it's, it's a little easier for me to get over there. I can, you know, I can leave here basically at 4 o'clock in the morning and be, at, you know, within range of working over there in the Chicago area by, you know, in an hour. And it's so that I have to be, I'm kind of on this on call basis, basically. So I have to be, be there. Uh, I have like two and a half hours they give me to get to the position where I need to be. And that usually is enough time. And if I get over by the, by this Illinois, Indiana line there somewhere, I'm well within that range. So it it's, gives me an hour to get over there. And if I go up, if I go up north to work on my boat, because I during the winter time I have my boat up in in Michigan. That's, that's where my wife works as well. And we, um, it's nice to be on the same time as the as work for her. So that's that's good. So for for us personally, it's not such a big deal. But I I just don't like the switching back and forth. Just just everybody stop. Just everybody stop switching. Because it really doesn't matter. Well, the daylight has to have to have to adjust for the daylight. No, because no, now it gets dark at five o'clock in the evening. That's what it amounts to. It's just, it, it makes no sense to me. I, it, but, but that just makes it that much brighter in the morning. It's dark, darker. In the, I, I don't know. It makes no sense. Well, it, it changes the crime rate. Did you think it's the crime rate? Uh, they have all kinds of excuses. Businesses, businesses and doing business. Crime rate. Well, if the crime rate's a problem, then why don't we just 
why don't we just have, have eight o'clock in the morning? Why don't we just switch the clock around 12 hours? Everybody goes to work at eight o'clock at night, which is eight o'clock. And we'll just switch the AM and the PM around. And you have nine to five at night. That way everybody's working during the night and there's it's daylight all, all night long. That way uh, there's no crime. Anyway, in my cup, I have chai with Almond Joy creamer. More importantly, I have a backup cup this morning. It's actually a glass with ice in it. And I have poured over that ice. I have poured my own homemade sweet tea. I must say it's one of my better batches. I actually made a smaller. I usually make a gallon and I wasn't going to be home that long. I decided to make it yesterday. I usually I make it on my first day home. I could have made it on Saturday, probably made a gallon and been fine. Decided to make a smaller batch, and uh, this has turned out to be uh, yeah one of my better ones. I'm going to say it's. Uh, now I didn't have my one of the reasons I didn't make a, a larger thing is I usually get these giant tea bags that are make, that are made for a gallon, and I have actually had to make, I had to use smaller tea bags. I used uh, five or six, five or six, seven of them. I think I used seven small tea bags. Made about a half a gallon of tea, a little over half a gallon. And <clears throat> so with that, I was able to, uh, to, to make them make a smaller, smaller batch, a little over half a gallon. And it, it, yeah, that's just what I already said that. I don't know why I'm continuing to repeat myself. In the meantime, maybe I should be a politician. I just keep repeating myself. In the meantime, I, I want to, um, there are a few things I want to talk about. There's there's a couple things happening. Uh, one is there's a apparently this it's bubbling up to the surface again now. Uh, now that the the war has kind of reached its saturation point, the wars that are going on. The you know again I, I could talk about this whole protesting thing all day long, the, w the way the protests are happening and everything that's going on with protests. It's, it's very, uh, what's the word I want to use here? It's just very disturbing. Um, just protesting for protesting's sake. There's, I, there's professional protesters out there. And it's, it's come to a, a clash. And this, this typically happens this happened out in California recently. It happens all the time, actually. You get these people who are protesting oil, climate change people, protesting the LGBTQ community by, you know, they're, they're trying to have a parade, a pride parade, and then you got these environmentalists that stand in their way, which is shocking to me because usually they, just like the whole George Floyd thing, all of a sudden... Riots were okay. You could run around. Of course, what, what better way to have people running around in riots than to have, oh, you have to wear a mask. Oh, okay. So now I have to, now everybody looks like Antifa. They're hiding their identity and they're running around in masks. Nobody can identify them. So that leaves them free to do all kinds of things. Everybody mask up and then go out and riot. It's government mandates you to wear a mask and then go out and go out and riot. It's, it's, it's amazing to me, you know. So, so the protest, the protesters just protest, and and, and they're and they're of course they're running headlong into each other. These protesters were shutting down the LGBTQ parade, 
sweet tea. It's good stuff. Now, along with that, just just keep in mind that the that the protesting. Again, you know my opinion on that. I've, I've shared that several times. I, what are they accomplishing? Really, seriously, all the effort, all the stuff that's done, being done, the resources that are being wasted on the protests. It's it's all done for the cameras. It's all done for the news to make it look like people are rising up. And they bring the camera. There can be twenty people there, and the cameras can make it look like there's a thousand there. Like it's the entire city is just showing up. In protest, they do this all the time. And of course, then there can be 10,000 people there and they make it look like there's just 20, you know, 20 people. It, it's, it all depends on their narrative, what they want to accomplish with that. They, they constantly piddle with that kind of stuff. Now, on to other things. I've talked about, I've talked about that the last three shows. I'm gonna, oh, by the way, I found – by the way, there is a, a lost episode. Uh, November 1st, I believe it was. I did a show and it never got published. And it was kind of a, an important show, actually. It was, it was a show about uh, Ron DeSantis and some other things that were going on. I will be publishing that show this morning, uh, sometime today, or probably this morning, or, uh, with, along with this one. There will be a lost episode. So look for that one after this show uh, drops. It'll be, I'll be publishing it as well. Um, at some point during during the day, probably this morning, that's what I'm planning on. Now, having said all that, the interesting thing here that, of course, I've, I've talked about this before. Uh, Joe Biden, will he be on the ticket in 2024? I don't believe he will be. I, there's no way. I, don't, I, don't think, I just don't think he's going to be on the ticket. The DNC, and of course, now, I, I keep hearing... You know, I'm starting to – it's getting to the point now where I think I may be maybe a little bit obsessed with this whole idea of people calling the Democrat Party the Democratic Party, the Democratic candidate. It's the Democrat candidate. Kinzinger, who supposedly is a Republican, who voted for Joe Biden in 2020. <laughs> He's a Republican who voted for Do Joe Biden in 2020. Tells you something about the kind of Republican he is. And he's proud of it. He's on CNN talking about it. Of course, he's he's the darling child of CNN. Right? He he loves the attention. This is this is where they get you with this stuff. They're they're using him, and he doesn't even know it. He's a puppet. He's a pawn. He doesn't even realize how he's being used by them, because he has an R beside his name. So they can say, "Oh, look, look! Here, here's a sensible Republican. Here's a, here's a Republican." Well, no, he's not a Republican at all. It, it got, the guy's delusional if he thinks he's a Republican. <laughs> it's he is. is this guy's an idiot. I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 hate, I hate using that word, but that's – it's the term useful idiots that was in the book. It was written by Rules for Radicals. It was written by uh, – what's his – I can't think of his name. Uh, I wish I could, uh, doesn't matter. It's, it's the communist manifesto. It's the, it's the way to become communist. It's the, the road to collectivism. And it's, it is a very – I think it's an important book for us to, to read and understand because they, they, they follow these rules almost perfectly. And ironically, to me, there, there seems to be a lot of – if you understand the way the enemy works in spiritual matters and you've seen him do things 
with regard to disruption, chaos, condemnation, shaming, all those things, then you realize that this book, everything about this book and everything about the way that it manifests itself in the radical movement, in this manifestation of these ideologies, you realize it, it's coming straight from the pit of hell. I, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. I, it's, it, now, there's, there's my – I have friends and people I would call brothers who would say, no, you know, you – there's some good and some of the things they say are true. Well, okay. I'll give you that. Let me take you back to a time when Jesus was tempted by the devil himself, by Satan himself. What did Satan say to Jesus? Is it not written that this is this, this, and this, and this, and this? You know, you, you can jump, your, throw yourself off this pinnacle. And his angels will, will come and bear you up, keep you from your, your head. Your, your foot will not even, in other words, you won't stub your toe. Not even going to stub your toe. What was Jesus' answer? Scripture, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He could have said, well, you know, what you're saying is, is true, and there's some truth in what you're saying. And that, that's the whole thing. It's, it's truth, just enough truth. To be twisted into a, a precept that becomes a doctrine of a demon. Demon. It's the twisting of the truth that's far worse than just a flat-out lie. And it's to the, to the ends of, of destruction, to the ends of deception. It's one thing, you know, a friend of mine, well, Rabbi Rick, he, was, he, was always, he always makes this, this correlation. And it's, it's a pretty good example. Let's, let's say somebody, some, some lady comes running up beside you. And as she runs past you, she says, there's a man trying to kill me. Please, no, don't tell him where I'm going. So she runs around the corner. She turns to the left. Man approaches. Obviously, he's been chasing her. And you say, and he, he says, where did she go? And he says, I'm going I'm to kill her. Where did she go? Obviously, he's got, you know, he's got a knife in his hand or whatever. And you say, uh, she went down there to the right. And he takes off and runs away. You just lied. How dare you? Now you're going to hell. You see, we live in, a, in more of a gray world that sometimes needs to be, uh, you have choices of what's, what's good and what's best. Or what's not good and a lot worse. 
And that's just the way our world is. You can't change it. I, I know people who won't vote because it, they'll say, well, all you're doing is voting for the lesser of two evils. So, so you're, you're, either way, you're voting for evil. So why should you vote for evil? Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm voting. So it's – if all it takes – for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And it's, it's, I think if we sit back and I've got, I've got people that I highly respect who will not vote because they think that they're, well, it has to separate church. It's the separation of church and state. We shouldn't be involved politically because we're, we're not of this kingdom. We're not of this world. Well, I'm sorry, but so if all the godly people followed you and your doctrine, then no godly people would vote. And who, who does that left? Who does that leave to vote? And surprisingly enough, voting apparently isn't the evil part because they vote for their, their church council, their committee. Their committees are all, they, they vote for their elders, which shouldn't, they shouldn't even, in my opinion, shouldn't be voting for that. Elders should be affirmed, not elected. Stupid. You should recognize who your elders are among you. And just ch ch church government. Don't, don't even get me started with church government because there are so many issues with church government within, within the Western church. It is really bad. It is, it is really pathetic. The way some churches are run. And they don't recognize it. They, 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 it stares them right in the face. There is – the Western culture has a – especially in America – has has a certain kind of leadership in a lot of churches, especially in evangelical churches. There, there's – many of them have, have, are revolve around one person as the pastor. And sometimes there's a board, but the person – the people on the board are usually picked by the pastor. And it's, it's a cyclic thing of who's in charge here. I worked for a, a, a church one time. I worked for a couple of different churches. The only, church, the only job I've ever been fired from was when I worked for a church. And I wasn't fired. They, they asked me for my resignation. But we all know what that meant. It was a part-time job, 15 hours a week. And I was putting in Normally, twice that. And I got asked to leave because I wasn't performing. Now, during this whole process, I realized that the pastor could walk into any meeting, any meeting in that church. It was a large church. A mega church, I would consider, consider in this area, I'd consider a mega church. And he could fire or remove anyone he wanted to from any committee he wanted to. So the question arises who can fire him? Who's he accountable to? Well, there's a board that's of over, there's overseers. No, there's no overseers. They're underseers. They, they work for him. They all serve in positions that they can be fired from. And their committee membership, even if all of them agreed and voted 
that he should be that he should resign. He wouldn't have to resign. He didn't doesn't have to resign. Because here's a little here's the little ditty behind all the whole thing. He holds the mortgage on the building. What are you going to do with that? My wife and I were at that church for a while. Uh, after I got off staff, I stayed there for a while. We made sure that uh, all the money that I, I made from them, I paid back, basically. <clears throat> I gave, I, I, every Sunday, I would give them money back, which wasn't a whole lot. And I made sure that it was all paid back. And by the way, we, we tithed enough money during the time I was there that it more than paid for our, my wages. So in, in the process of us leaving... They lost more income than I was making in being on staff. It did, to me, it made no fiscal sense. Why get rid of a guy who's totally committed here and he loves the place, loves the people here, is doing his best to do a good job here. But the, the hurdles that they had put on me had me jumping through to, to do my job. It was ridiculous. And when I made a suggestion, I wrote out an entire report a suggestion on how I would do this job, how I, I can do this job, but I just need to do it this way. I can accomplish this. They said it was too much. There's, there's, there's too, it's, it's too difficult to do it that way. That these people who were trying to get into leadership, I was, I was overseeing some leadership uh, situ situations, and the people who wanted to get into leadership would never put up with that. Well, then they're not good leaders. It's, it's the thing I was asking them to do wasn't anything, any, didn't require any more time than it would require for them to be in leadership to begin with. You want to be in leadership and you want to devote this much time, <clears throat> then, you, then you, what you should be doing, then the, why can't you devote that time now? You say you're going to devote that time once you become a leader, devote it now. Get some discipleship. Some, let's, let's do some one-on-one -on -one stuff here. Let's develop this team together. But that was not their plan. So we left. The next church we went to, uh, we, we attended a meeting after the church. We started church shopping for a little while. And uh, this one church we went to after the, after the church meeting, they were having a special encounter with the leadership. And you could ask them questions, any questions you wanted to about being a member of the church and being, you know, attending the church. There's a group of, I think the group we were in was about, about seven or eight people there. And there's a couple of elders. I said, who's, who's really, who's the, who's the head of the church here? And they, they said, well, this pastor is, he's the head, he's the head uh, senior pastor. So who can, who can he fire? Can he, can he fire anybody? I was just flat out asking the question. Can, can he, can he terminate anybody? You know, can he terminate you as an elder? Well, well, yeah, he's, in, he's kind of in charge of. All that. If, he, if he sees fit that, it's, that an elder should be gone, then, yeah, he can, he can bring that up. And there's a process, you know, of course, but there. So who can fire him? There was a look of shock on their face, almost as if I was being disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful. This is a serious question regarding church government that I'm going to supposedly place myself under. I, I, I got to know this. Well, I, I guess nobody can fire him. 
Okay, well, see you later then. I, I, we'll attend the church. We'll go there. We'll, you know, I, I, I like their service on Sunday morning. But we're not going to be a member of this church. And we camped out there for a couple months and then um, so the, the worship was good. The messages were good. But their church government was not something I was going to participate in. I was not going to become a member of that church and start participating and and being a an active member of you know a leader home group leader whatever it was going to be so yeah so it was it was a uh, an interesting time we were going through now I said well, I don't know where I got where how did I get off on all that topic leadership itself Church government is no different. Because I was, I was talking about the the whole thing with uh, one friend of mine who won't vote in an election because he thinks it's the church's church shouldn't be involved in politics. Well, I'm sorry, but this you need to you need to move out of this country because this is a church. This is a this is a government that is for and by the people. And if you want to be one of the people, you better get involved or evil is going to take over because they govern you. They have an effect on you. They can tax you. These are things they ta- they're taxing your life. You've devoted your life to God. And if they want to tax that, you better stand in the way of that. This is, in my opinion, this is how, this is the attitude that Israel had the Jewish people had this attitude when they were marched off into slavery. They just kind of allowed it to happen. They wouldn't fight. They wouldn't put up resistance to the tyranny. This is how it happens. It's the same mindset. I know I'm probably getting off into, into the weeds, into the muck of some sticky topics. And I don't necessarily have it all figured out. I don't – and here again, I, I want to be very upfront with you on, on this. I, I don't have it all figured out. And people who say they do, uh, I, I, I start to question whether they – in fact, I was just listening to a teacher this morning. And he was talking about the, the rapture. Is, can we know what, what the timing of the rapture is going to be? And he, he was emphatically saying, no, there's no way you can say – and, of course, the, the video didn't have a way to make any – and this was – what surprised me was this was on Prophecy Watchers, which I, I typically – I really like the stuff that – now, Mondo, uh, who's on Prophecy Watchers, I, I really like what his stuff does. But um, the – I think the thing that really shocked me was how, how – emphatic this guy was about saying, that, no, there's no way you can know. And, and scripture says there, no man will know the day or the hour. So therefore, we can't know the day or the hour. I think the problem here, first of all, is that this is that very, the very statement, no man knows the day or the hour. I think that statement in and of itself has a hidden Easter egg in it 
it kind of gives you a clue as to basic, not, not maybe not know exactly what year it's going to happen, but kind of the season it's going to happen in. And understanding that Jesus fulfilled the, the spring feast to, to the letter in the timing, in terms of timing. And then to turn around and say he's not going to. And here's the, here's the issue. There's two different things here happening. One is the rapture. And the other is the return of Jesus. The rapture is not Jesus' return. That is us being swept up, being plucked out, so to speak, gathered up, snatched away. The return is when he comes back to judge the earth, to rule and reign. Now, I, I have some opinions about the rapture, how it happens, what takes place at that time. I don't believe we're just going to be sitting around during the day and all of a sudden a bunch of people disappear and their clothes are left laying on the ground. I, I, I don't think that's going to be, I don't think it's going to be that way. I think that's going to be timed with a specific event of some something. Now, for for instance, here's one theory. This is just one theory of mine. This could but just humor me here for a moment. Just stay with me and, and understand that this event could be any event. It doesn't necessarily have to be the event I'm speaking of. Let's say there's an EMP. An electromagnetic pulse. Where they drop a couple of nuclear weapons over the year, over the, uh, the the U.S. and it knocks out our electrical grid, fries our electrical system. The computers are down. Communications are down. There's no, there's very little electricity anywhere. Some some people's generators might work. Some most of them won't. It just fries things electronically. Radio signals don't work because the atmosphere is all screwed up. Cell phones stop working. Think of that. Think, think about, think about how, what's going to be like without a cell phone. Nobody has a cell phone. How do we get in, how do we get in touch with anybody? Go, go to a pay phone. Yeah, good luck finding one of those now. We basically are taken back to the 1800s just like that. Cars won't run. Most of them. Gas pumps won't pump gas. And even if they did, you can't, what are you going to pay them with? Your credit card? Are they even going to accept, accept cash at that point? Places are trying to get away from cash. If we go to a digital currency, oh, that's, that'd be great. In that moment... If the rapture occurs, they can explain it away. Well, those people must have died or they must have moved out of the area because they have no way of communicating with you. They can't get a hold of you. All, just your house is empty all of a sudden and how, you know, what happened? 
They must have ran. They must have taken off. And I don't think there's going to be as many people gone as what you would think. Well, you're talking about, you know, 40 million people to spring. No, not, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be that many. I don't know. Let's face it, folks. There are some people out there I would consider to be nominal believers. People who have said yes to Christ for the fire insurance. They've acknowledged. <clears throat> well, Paul puts it this way. Rabbi Shaul, Saul, Paul the Apostle. He puts it this way. You believe there's a God. Well, good for you. This is, I'm paraphrasing. Even the demons believe and tremble. The demons believe in God. And you think that just believing that there is a God somehow gives you salvation? Well, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Have you? So you've accepted him for that moment when you die. Are you accepting, accepting him in your everyday life, in guidance, in faith? Are you really his disciple? This is a question we should reflect on every day. Now, I'm not saying our salvation hangs. I, I, I used to be, I used to be, I'd be a big believer that you could lose your salvation. You could walk away, you know, you could, you could stray away easily. I don't think it's that easy. I think you would have to formally denounce Christ. To reject him totally, even if you had accepted him at one time, you'd have to turn around and recant. I, I, I think you have to actually make a, a willful effort at that. But I don't know. I'm not the one who's left ju to judge. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. I'm not, I'm not a financial counselor. I'm not a life coach, and I'm not a spiritual advisor. Nor a doctor or a lawyer. So I'm not going to argue your case. I, there's only one that I put my faith in. My hope is all in him. <clears throat> and I know that outside of that, I have no hope at all. There's, I, I want, he's my only hope. What he did on the cross, I, I can't add to. Can't add anything to that. And everything that I do is selfish anyway. So it's just, I just, everything, I only have hope in that and what he did. I, and I leave it up to him. It's in his hands. And I know that whatever he, he decides is, uh, it's, that's what he has decided is fair and just and true. That's, that's all I know. Because I would just screw it up. So there, um, 
how did I get off on this topic? So, so, so Joe Biden, let's, let's just change gears here. Let's, Joe Biden, is, is he going to be the nominee? I, I, again, I don't think he can be. I don't think he will be. The Democrats now, I think even, even the, the, the rank and file troops who usually are lockstep together are starting to, they're starting to crumble a little bit in their unity. Axel Rod just came out recently and said something about Joe needs to, you know, consider stepping down because maybe he's too old. Now, interestingly enough, he won't say anything about Kamala stepping in. They're not pushing for Kamala to be the president or to be the next nominee. And of course, if you put Joe in with her as the VP, guess who gets to be the, the P? All of a sudden, POTUS is Kamala Harris. And I'm pretty sure the Democrat Party is not going to want that. The leader, those who are in charge and the leaders of that, of that party, the Democrats, aren't liking her too much right now. They realize her, she's not very popular. She's not very bright. She has no business being in that position. So I don't know. I don't know, folks. Um, again, like I've said, I think they need to get through the primary session. I think in the next couple of months, Joe will be still still be in charge. Now, the reason that they're 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 squabbling so much right now is some major polling has come out that shows Donald Trump, even in the current situation, the most recent polling shows him double digit ahead of Joe Biden. Democrats are terrified they're going to lose this election. And mostly in swing states, here's where it gets weird. In swing states, it is tipping in a large way towards Trump. There are people, spokespeople in certain communities in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. These are just common grassroots folks who are coming to a lot of city meetings. Now, there's, we've got a year until the election, so who knows? But there are a lot of common, common folks out there saying, we're not going to vote for you. I've been Democrat all my life, and I'm not going to vote for you again. I'm gonna, we're we're going to turn this state, this city, this county red just to get rid of you folks. They're waking up to the, what's going on around them, which I find fascinating. We'll, we'll see how this all pans out. But apparently it's, it's become a serious issue uh, in some districts and they're scared to death right now. And Joe is caught in this really weird place where he, he, he does, you know, he, the leftists are pushing him to call a ceasefire. His allegiances are to certain things within the military industrial complex and the powers that be, the lobbyists. He's saying, no, oh, maybe just a pause, a humanitarian pause. Well, what the humanitarian pause does is they bring in supplies and all kinds of things. And guess who gets to guess, guess who gets in charge of that? As soon, as soon as it gets to the border, Hamas takes charge of all that stuff. It doesn't go to the people. It goes to their soldiers. It goes to the military. 
the military, the freedom fighters, they, say, they call them over there. It's, you listen to more and more, it's, it's interesting how it's more of the arguments, uh, more of the debates come up. And they start asking questions about the Jewish people. And when they get pressed on these issues, the, the bottom line is, no, Jews shouldn't exist in Palestine, in all of Judea. They, should, they, shouldn't, believe, they shouldn't be there at all. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. In other words, free from Jews. There won't be any Jews there. It won't be that they don't have a state anymore. It'll be that they don't exist in that region. There are some things that uh, I'll be bringing up in the next few weeks. I want to be very careful how I do it because um, – it is the kind of topics that will put a t target on your head. Muslims uh, can become very, you know, it's a religion of peace, of course, as long as you agree with everything that they say. Much like the Democrats, so you have freedom of speech as long as you say what we want you to say. Say whatever you want as long as it's what we, what we prescribe for you to say. There are some, some issues of some people de debating uh, issues of Christianity and and they're, they're very tricky, very very deceptive, very good at it. Where they really fall into the problems is when they start debating, when these when these uh, Muslim experts start debating atheists because they really put them in their place. And it's surprisingly enough, there's this almost a strange ally. Because they can slice and dice them in ways that – now, they, they can debate Christians and they don't, aren't nearly as effective. But when they start laying into Islam and the prophet Muhammad and the things that they say, of course, they're, they're willing to say things that will get them killed. And a lot of Christians aren't. Because the atheist is not interested in conversion. Christians are interested in conversion, so we think they have to be their friends. No, just tell them the truth. We just need to tell them the truth. And we need to tell them the truth about their own religion. Much like the cults that are out there. Just tell them the truth about their cult, how it started, what it's about, things that they actually are, that are in their doctrine in those cults. And then point them to the truth and say, this is the way, this is what Jesus actually said. This is who he is. This is what he promised. It has nothing to do with what your religion says. And that, really at the bottom line is, most religions have nothing to do with a relationship. And that is the key point of why Jesus came to begin with. It is all about relationship. Not about a legal structure, not about legalism, not about doing things a certain way. 
He was very clear about this, loving your neighbor as yourself. I could go down that road for a long time. So the other issues out there about the, of course, the election that's coming up and all the things that are going on right now. Um, Obama has now come out of hiding and he's been out just saying some kind of weird things. And one of the things he's, he's kind of doing, he, he seems to be distancing himself from Joe and Kamala. And I don't know if you, if you, if you've heard him talking at all, he, he came out and, and basically blames one of the, one of the interesting things he did is he, he blamed, oh, I just hit my leg. He, he blames, he blames um, everybody. Oh, we're all culpable for the things that are going on in, in Gaza. None of us are, you know, can, are, are innocent with, with regard to what's going on. While he, while he detests and, and denounces the things that Hamas did, He's very clear that we're all to blame for what's going on between Israel and Gaza. Well, um, that's funny because, you know, you did. You, you were the one who instilled, who had some policy. We didn't send pallets of cash to Iran. And then when we, uh, you know, when your boy there, your little puppet guy, got into to, uh, the presidency and unfrozen, you know, millions of dollars. What was, it, was it millions or billions? I think it was billions. Six, six billion? It was six billion. I don't know. And all of a sudden, uh, well, we're thinking about freezing that again. It, 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 it's just amazing to me. How that all works. Well, um, and then it's all, our, it's, all, it's all our fault. Well, I guess it is our fault because somehow he got voted in. There was a guy, there was a guy that recently I just saw a, a uh, interview with a guy. made a really interesting point. One of the things he said was, in Oregon, the, 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 the vote for the governor, there was, I think it was 160,000 Republicans, registered Republicans who did not show up to vote in that state in 2020. Maybe it was 2022. I don't know. He said they they only won the governorship by about 40,000 votes. If all the Republicans would have showed up. And here's the thing. It's it's a mail-in state. Everybody got a ballot. All they did was fill it out and send it in. And 160,000 of them did not. So all it would have taken was for all the Republicans to vote. They would have won by a landslide. Now you've got people out there on the left who are out there canvassing areas and and signing people up and filling out their ballots for them. It's called ballot harvesting. They're going out there and making sure that all their people are voting. Even people that aren't their people are voting. Sometimes changing their votes. But that's – there was recently a – landmark decision by, by a court that said that uh, this, I think this last election, I think it was in 2020 or 2022, might have been 2022, that this 
one district. They they actually reversed the election, and so we're gonna have to have a, we're gonna have to have an election another another election, or else reverse the because the the fraud was so vast and so overwhelming and and alarming and obvious that they had to change it. And this was in a court case. This was a judge who basically just looked at the facts and said, "Okay, this is." See, this is the problem that that Trump had in going after the election issues all over the country because the judges were basically saying there's no standing. You don't have any standing. In other words, you can't, we can't even go to trial because you don't have standing. In other words, this court cannot decide that that issue for you. It may be an issue, but we can't decide it for you. The court isn't going to get involved in that particular issue. That's In other words, we're not going to do anything with it. They're just washing their hands of it. You may have a case and you may have proof, but we can't look at it. And then the, the, the left jumps in there and says, see, the courts even just booted it out because it wasn't, it wasn't worth looking at. No, no, that's not the reason they didn't look at it. But that's the, that's the narrative they portray. They've done this many, many, many times in many, 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 many court cases. What you hear in the news and what you hear people saying and touting and all the pundits will say, oh, they just threw it out. Just, oh, the courts didn't even look at it because it was so ridiculous. No, that's not why they didn't look at it. They didn't want to get involved. In fact, the Supreme Court didn't want to get involved with doing anything with the election. And here's what you know why? Because Mr. John Roberts said, well, we, we got involved in, in the 2000 election, but there weren't riots then. There's riots now. We don't want to get involved in that and, and change something and then have riots break out because that'll be on our – oh, really? So the truth is not as important as riots breaking out. So you're going you're gonna to listen to the mob. You're going to bow down to the mob. Now it's mob rule. They won. They won bigly on that one because you wouldn't take it to court. You wouldn't look at it. That's called cowardice. Well, uh, you know, the riots break out and someone dies. Well, George Floyd riots, people died during those. Billions of dollars worth of damage, and you didn't seem to have a problem with that. Over the next few weeks, I want to talk a bit more about Islam, Muslims, uh, the, the things that are here, – here's – I'm going to finish up with this. You know, people talk about, you know, is, is Israel still there, – because there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the church, in the Western church. There's a lot of um, replacement theology out there. And people don't even realize it. They don't, they don't understand. They don't even realize that they're a part of it. It's, 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 uh, this is true. Uh, what is it called? Implicit bias. Because they think that they're now the chosen people. They're the chosen people that, 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 that God has rejected the Jews. He's divorced them from his covenant that he made, which he is not. Somehow now they're not the chosen people because they haven't accepted the Messiah. I personally, folks, I believe that nothing can be further from the truth. 
Scripture is very clear that the Gentiles have been engrafted into the branch, not transplanted or replanted or started on their own. We have been engrafted in. In fact, there's some interesting things in in Scripture, I believe it's in Revelation, about the engrafted branch and how that the engrafted branch will be removed. There's, it's an interesting um, part of that. I have to find that again. I think I, I think Rabbi Rick can tell me where that's at because we've we've covered it before. But the but the um, you know so what's what's happening with all of this? I believe is is really you know we have to be clear about this. Is that I believe and I I truly believe that that. Not Israel as the secular state, but the Jewish nation as a people are still God's chosen people. And he, he still has a, a plan to redeem them and to, even though they didn't, they didn't recognize him when he was here. Scripture is very clear, in my opinion. They will look upon him whom they have pierced. In other words, they're going to see him at some point, much like... Joseph, when his brothers finally recognized him. They didn't recognize him because he looked like Egypt. He looked like an Egyptian. Didn't look like one of them. Till he came close. So, how does all this pan out? And I think that we have to realize and understand that the world, there's this fracture point among all ethnic groups all over the world, all over the country. It's, 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 you see all of a sudden that the ideologies, all this other stuff really starts to show its fracture point. The fault line, if you will, is being called in, in, the, in some of the pundits are saying, this is it. Israel is the fault line. Where you stand on this issue, believe it or not, this one little country out there with this one little conflict, well, one little conflict, with this conflict that they have over there, somehow polarizes the entire globe. Why is that? Why does it still have that kind of impact on all of humanity, all over the country, all over the world? It is amazing. And it is nothing less than spiritual, in my opinion. This is the spiritual battle we're in. And it is manifest in a place called Israel, or you could say in a place called Palestine. That's going to be my show today, folks. Um, Again, tomorrow, not so sure how this is going to pan out for tomorrow. I am hoping to have a show tomorrow morning. I'm also hoping to have a show. Uh, let's see. I, I possibly, I think I'm going to be in Grand, possibly Grand Rapids. Um, let's see. Where will I be? I, I uh, yeah, I can't, can't even tell what this is. Let's see if I can pull this up real quick while I'm, before the music gets done. Um, yes, it looks like it's not going to be early morning shows. Uh, 
uh, Wednesday, Wednesday early morning. Tuesday, not so much. Uh, I'm probably going to be in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. It'll be in the afternoon when I have shows. The rest, the rest of that uh, week will be afternoon shows all through Friday. So Thursday, Friday will be afternoons. But there will be shows if I, I think, I think I, my, how my schedule is going to turn out to. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend or great week. Bye.